yours. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's brilliant to be here. Fantastic just to see the life of God amongst you. Now, I've got to be really careful not to fall off this into that. So that wouldn't be very good at all. Um, just wonderful, just seeing and sensing God's presence here in this building, just uh, seeing you as a community, worshipping Jesus, loving him, seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate through you, and hearing God's voice together as a family. Wasn't that wonderful this morning, seeing those uh, young guys and girls getting baptised and uh, just sensing the family of God, so much encouragement, so much uh, sense of God with you, and prophecy, and encouragement. And I just say that is such a health and life of a great church, and you guys are a great church. You know, it's such a privilege for us to come here. We always receive much more from you than we impart, because you are such an encouraging church. And uh, it's great to see what God's built over the years. Your wonderful legacy uh, of great men and women who've served here in the past and now a great team leading you forward. We're so excited about what God is doing amongst you. And can I just add to what Dan said, can I add my thanks for uh, your support at Devoted? This church served absolutely magnificently. You were, I think you were the uh, largest number at Devoted and I think you were some of the largest... Uh, numbers in terms of serving at that event. And it was a great event. Those of you who weren't able to be with us this year, hopefully you can book in early next year. It's going to be an equally brilliant event because we believe God is with us and he's imparting life to us. Now, I believe God's given me a word for you, which I think will resonate with you. And uh, I believe God wants to talk to you very much this morning about the nations. I'd actually forgotten, uh, although I've been in this building many times, quite often I'm downstairs, I'd forgotten the visual image you have of the flags here. And that is so stirring in worship to know that we're not on our own, that we're not just this little group in Sheffield. Uh, but actually, God is drawing worship to and from the nations. That one day, eternity, we were singing those wonderful songs about eternity this morning. One day in heaven, there will be represented every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation on planet earth. And this is just a little touch, a little taste of heaven on earth. We're not just white British middle class at all. We're representatives of the nations. And actually, the nations, when we talk about the nations, it's not just geographical nations. Actually, down our streets, we're so privileged now to have people from the nations, aren't we? We really are. I think that's an amazing privilege for us as the United Kingdom to have the nations amongst us. But more than that, it's not just geographical nations. There are different demographic nations amongst us. So various youth tribes various elderly tribes, various tribes which would have different sexual orientations, various tribes that would support certain men who kick a pig's bladder around on a Saturday afternoon. There are, there are different tribes, different nations that we represent, and I believe God has put us in communities that we might reach the nations. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Let me just get these notes out. I occasionally look at my notes, just gives me a little bit of comfort occasionally. I believe it's always been God's heart to bless the nations. It's always been God's intention that the nations might come and worship him. That's what God said to the very first couple. 
God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and go into all the world. Now, there wasn't much nations at that point, but that was the start of the nations. It was the start of multiplication. It was God's heart to fill planet Earth with lots of different groups, lots of different people groups, that he might express his love and his heart to them. Unfortunately, their rebellion, unfortunately, their lack of trust in God, unfortunately, their heart to want to do it their way ruled them out to start with. And actually, rather than the nations being blessed, what we saw was nations arising with rebellion in their hearts, nations arising with division in their hearts, nations arising that said, we want to do it our way. It kind of culminated in, in, in hatred and then murder and then enmity between brothers and sisters. It kind of then culminated together in what we know the story of the Tower of Babel. And you remember that story of the Tower of Babel. We will build a monument for ourselves. We'll march up to the heavens. We'll be gods in our days. We will rule. We'll tell God what to do. We'll be the boss. We'll be the, the lords of the earth. And it said God came and he confused them all and scattered them to the nations. And they started at that point, it says in the Bible, to speak different languages and it was like this whole sense of God saying, actually, one day I'm going to do it my way. It's not going to be your way. I am the Lord. I'm going to do it my way. And then immediately, that's in Genesis chapter 11, immediately the next chapter, God gets hold of a couple. And God always does that. He always starts small. He doesn't start necessarily large. It's a big story. It's a big picture. But God doesn't start large. He kind of always starts small. He always starts with a baby in the bulrushes, or a baby in a manger, or an old couple, Abraham and Sarah, who couldn't even have children, and God says, through you, Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to conceive nations, and I'm going to bless every nation on planet Earth through you and your seed, which is a bit of a joke, because they didn't even have children, and God then miraculously calls them having children and miraculously uh, supplies for them. And this is what God says to them in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And yet, the Bible story is one of rise and fall. Unfortunately, Israel never fulfilled that purpose. The nation that God created out of Abraham and Sarah, the nation of Israel. Unfortunately, Israel never completed that purpose. They never were able to fulfill that purpose. They were never able to bring God's light to the nations. But we know that from that nation, one who came. We had a wonderful reading about him this morning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a light has come, and he's going to come and bring justice and truth and mercy in the nations. And we know that Jesus was the promised seed of Abraham. Jesus came to fulfill everything that was promised to Abraham and actually everything that was promised to Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Jesus has come to fulfill that. Again, God starts small. He starts with a little baby in Bethlehem, but actually God's purpose is to fill all the earth 
with his glory to touch every nation on planet Earth, every one of these flags that represents different nations, every one of the nations of planet Earth. God's plan, God's purpose is to reach them through Jesus. Now, the New Testament tells us something pretty incredible. It tells us this, that we are caught up in that purpose, that God is going to use his people to reach the nations. We are the inheritors of the promise to Adam and Eve and the promise to Abraham to fill all the earth with his glory, to bring to every nation on planet earth, and that includes the nations that I mentioned earlier, various tribes and demographics that we would have in our nation. God is calling us, the church, to reach those nations. This is what it says in Galatians. This is all my introduction, by the way. We'll come to a scripture in a moment. It'll be a long introduction, short message. Galatians 3 says this. Three, this is 16 and verse 29. The promises that were spoken to Abraham and his seed, the scripture does not say seeds, which is plural, meaning many people, but to seed, singular, meaning one person who is Christ. In other words, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises to Abraham. But it goes on to say in Galatians, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. So God's plan and God's purpose is in Christ and in the in Christ people, that's us, the church, that we are to be an inheritors of the promise to bring God's blessing to every part of planet Earth, every nation, every tongue, every language, every people group, even Sheffield, whatever it is, Wednesday, or is it the other one? Even the, even the supporters of Sheffield Wednesday. God's plan is for us to bring that. In fact, that's what Jesus particularly said to his disciples. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, before he was taken up into glory, he said to them, now you go. I give you authority to go and preach the gospel, preach the truth about Christ, preach the truth about Jesus to every tribe language, to go to every nation, to go into all of creation. Interestingly enough, if you look at that in the Greek language, the Septuagint, which many of the New Testament writers and New Testament uh, leaders would have had as their Bible, it's almost the same language. It's the same kind of words that were spoken to God, to, by, to, from God to Adam and Eve. Go into every nation, fill the earth. It's the same kind of words that were spoken to Abraham. Through you, you'll be blessed. And through you, every tribe and language and nation, all of creation is going to be blessed through you. So this is the amazing good news of the gospel, that we, as the in Christ people, we, as followers of Jesus, get to take the good news to every possible nation. And that's why God has placed you exactly where he's placed you because you are the best carrier of the good news to your friends and family. You're the best carrier of the good news to your nation. You're the best carrier of the good news to the people group that you associate with. 
And God is going to call this church, and I believe this is a prophetic word you've had before. I believe it's a prophetic word that God wants to underline. As my praying, and I've been thinking about you over the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about you, I felt God continually underline that this is to be an apostolic base, a base church to reach the nations. And God wants to underline that. God wants to underline that in your hearts. We'll come back to talk about what an apostolic church means at the end of this message. But if you look into the New Testament, the best example of this I can find, and I know this will resonate with you because you've had this word over you before, but the best example of a kind of church that is going to reach the nations is the church in Antioch. And I know that resonates with you because that's been spoken over you before. I know that. That's not prophetic. I just know it. But it is prophetic because I felt God underline it for you for this season. So if you've got a Bible or a tablet or a smartphone, could you press the buttons for Acts uh, chapter 11? And we're just going to read Acts chapter 11, uh, 19 to 26, and then we're going to read Acts 13. And this is all about the church in Antioch. Just to give you some history about this, you probably know this very well here. I know you've been so well taught here, but it was a very major city like Sheffield. It was a very important city like Sheffield. In their day, it was the third largest church in the known world. I say the known world because there could have been other cities larger in China or India, but nobody knew about them in their day. But in their known world, in their sphere of influence, it was the third largest city, second only to Alexandria in Egypt and Rome, of course, as the headquarters of the empire. It was the capital city of the province they were in, which interestingly is today's Syria. It was the capital city of Syria, capital city of that area. And from a religious point of view, it was probably only second to Jerusalem in its significance. And it was on the super highways of its day. It was connected to the M1. It was like on the major highway routes. And it was a really international city. And I think God chose that to birth something that would touch eventually the nation. So let's just read the story of this church in Antioch that I'd like to apply to you, City Church Sheffield, and through this for you to understand that you're a church to reach all nations. Acts 11, 19 to 26. Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only amongst the Jews. So the gospel was going out only amongst the Jewish people first, primarily through the synagogue connections that they've got. It was going out to Jewish believers, and it primarily came through persecution. Interesting enough, we think of persecution as a very negative thing, and it is, but actually God uses even negative things for his glory. And God had used the persecution and even the stoning of Stephen, who's mentioned here, God had used that to spread the gospel through the known world. Actually, right now, God is using migrants and asylum seekers to spread his gospel throughout the world. It's happening even in days that we live in. It says this, Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak 
to the Greeks also, shock, horror, the Gentiles are now hearing the word of God, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And I guess they weren't quite sure about it. My goodness, the Greeks are believing. It's not just a Jewish movement anymore. We've got people from other tongues, other languages, other nations, other people groups joining our community, joining our Messiah, joining our Jesus. And so they kind of wanted to investigate it. So they sent Barnabas. He's a great guy. He means, his name means son of encouragement. They sent Barney to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done. This is the grace of God that joins hearts together. This is the grace of God that takes people from different people groups, different nations, different languages, and builds them together as one people in Christ, in Jesus. When he saw what the grace of God has done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus, to look for Saul. Now we know Saul as the Apostle Paul. Here he's a relative unknown, a man called Saul, who's seeking God in his home city of Tarsus. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Isn't that interesting? And just then flick over with me if you can, or press the buttons, to Acts 13. And right now I'm just going to read verse 1, but I'll also read uh, 2 and 3 later. Now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now that doesn't mean a lot to us when we read our English Bibles. Yeah, we understand there's prophets and teachers. There's a multiplicity of traveling ministries. There were people based there who the Lord Jesus had given specific gifts to, and that's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful in this church to see uh, teachers, to see pastors, to see prophets, to see people whom the Lord Jesus has given to you to equip you to go to the nations, just like Antioch. But have a look at the, what struck me as I studied this last week, or the week before, actually, to be honest, as I studied this, and I had not looked at this before. I've not preached on Antioch before. It's not like I'm pulling one of my favorite words out of the bag. I actually felt God speak to me for my own church in Manchester, and I felt God speak to me for you for this. And it was just interesting to study the names. I don't know if you're ever interested in names. i tell you the time you get interested in names is if your name's in the book, and you think, oh, that's interesting. But actually, these are fascinating named people. Let me just tell you who they are. Barnabas, he was a Levite from Cyprus. So he was a, a Jewish Cypriot man of an elite Jewish background. So he was part of the Jewish sort of leading people from Cyprus, probably a, a Greek from Cyprus. Simeon, now he was called Niger, which is 
inappropriately termed in our day, but it means blackie. He was a black guy. He was dark-skinned. He was almost certainly from North Africa. Some theologians reckon that this Simon, or Simeon, from Cyrene in Africa was the same Simon, or Simeon, from Cyrene who carried Jesus' cross for him up to Golgotha. Some people think that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It opens the question by a similar name and a similar location, but nevertheless, it's an interesting for us. So he was a black African. Lucius is definitely a black African. He's definitely from Cyrene. Manian, he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And what that means in their language was he actually was educated as a family friend, may even be part of Herod's family. So this was kind of like royalty guy. He was in there as well. And Saul, who was a Greek speaker from Tarsus, a Hebrew of a Hebrews. What this means is it was a right old mixed bag of leadership. Lots of different people from different backgrounds, different cultural experiences, different demographics. And for me, it's a wonderful picture of the gospel. It's a wonderful picture of what God wants the local church to be. He doesn't want us just of one socio-economic type. He doesn't want us to be just one type of color of skin or language orientation. Actually, God's heart is the whole church, and particularly here in Antioch, the leadership of variety, of different ethnic groups, of multicultural backgrounds. And for me, this is amazing. This is Jews loving Gentiles. This is black Africans loving white Europeans. This is the religious elite loving the heathen. And this is the rich loving the poor. And that, dear friends, is what the church is supposed to be. The church is the only place I know where it doesn't matter where your background comes from. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. And yet, God is going to use your education and your background. God is going to use your ethnicity. And God, it doesn't say, it, it deliberately highlights that they're from these different places. It's not like it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your background. That's all irrelevant now. We're just in this big melting pot and we all come out, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, we all come out sort of grey, fudge. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're of this background. No, it really does matter. Actually, in the Bible, your ethnicity, rather than toned down, don't talk about that, let's go for the lowest common denominator, don't talk about your education, or don't talk about your background, or don't talk about your interests. No, actually, in Christ, the whole contrast is turned up. Actually, it really does matter what your interests are. It does matter what your background is. It does matter where you've been trained and educated. It does matter where you've lived and what social network you've been in. It does matter what colour of skin you have. It does matter what nation you have because God has formed you and given you your character, your personality, your background so that you might be the best ambassador to reach that people group. So that you actually might bring into the church something of your background. See, we all tend to think of the world as fallen humanity. Dirty world out there. We're the nice, clean, scrubbed-up Christians. Actually, the truth is this. 
God uses your background. He uses where you've come from. He uses your education or, can I say, as someone who hasn't been to university, lack of education. He uses your intelligence or lack of intelligence. He uses your wealth or lack of wealth. He uses the color of your skin. He uses the language you've got. He has gone to great lengths to make you you and to put you in the right womb, to give you the right parents, to give you the right upbringing. However difficult that was for you, actually people say, my upbringing was so difficult. I had this abusive, or I had the... No, actually, God allows things to happen so that actually you might be the best witness to reach other people who are going through difficulty. See, God, the Bible says this, God will comfort you. People say, well, tragedies happened to me, difficulties happened to me. Anne and I, for instance, we weren't able to have children. You think, tragedy. Well, actually, God has comforted us in that and enabled us to help others who are grieving in that. See, and God will do that with you. God will take difficulties and trials and he'll take the negative things and he'll use them positively. But he'll also take the positive things. He'll take your academic achievements. He'll take the nation that you've come from. He'll take that interest group that you have. And rather than say, oh, when you come to the church, we don't want you to have any interests outside. We don't want you to belong to any social clubs. We don't want you to have anything. No, it's just Jesus. Everything's all about, you know, it's, it's just Sunday school and Bible teaching. And we don't want you to join that chess club. We don't want you to be involved in that community group. We don't want you, certainly don't want you to go to Sheffield Wednesday. That's obvious. But we don't, you know, we don't want to do that because we're, we're called out of the world, aren't we? No, we're not. We're not called out of the world. We're called not to be like the world. So he's not supposed to be breathing out murderous threats against Stoke next weekend. He's called to be different. But nevertheless, we're called to be in the world. We're called to be where we are. Our background, our ethnicity, the races that we're involved in really do matter. The other thing about ethnicity is this. And and having travelled a little bit over the last few years you suddenly start to appreciate that different nations bring different things to the party. So the thing I love about Africans, have we got any Africans here? Any Africans? Wave at me. We love you guys. We love you. I love having Africans in our church in Manchester. and They bring such a different cultural variety. They don't necessarily bring timekeeping to the picture. That might be something that the, the English bring. Because I go to Africa and I say to my friend, what time does the meeting start? He says, when all the people turn up. <laughs> but what they bring is a vibrancy in worship that I don't have. What Africans for me bring is a wonderful understanding of true community. So if I say to you, let's get together for lunch... You know, Richard will get his diary out, I'll get my diary out, and we'll probably fix it about four or five weeks ahead. You know, that's pretty good. We've done well. We've booked a lunch. If I say, if an African says to me, can we get lunch? They mean right here, right now. Let's do it. Let's have friendship. Let's have community. It's a whole different thing. Much more biblical, actually, than our English diary system. So I love what the Africans bring. 
I love the vibrancy. And actually, Jesus wants a church where we celebrate our diversity, where we celebrate where we come from. And actually, it's not all tone it down to the lowest common denominator. It's let's really celebrate what it means to be a spirit-filled African in, living in Sheffield in the 21st century. Let's bring all the cultural diversity. Let's bring all the food and the fun and the celebration that you can bring to the party. And the English will turn up on time. We've got to bring something. Well, I think warm beer and cricket as well we bring, apparently. Do you know what? This is really supposed to be a touch of heaven. This is really supposed to be a foretaste of eternity. It's supposed to be every tribe, every language, every ethnic people group worshipping together. We are not trying to make people British. We're trying to celebrate our in Christness and to bring to the table what God has put in our makeup, in our hearts. We leave all the sin behind, we leave all the bad things behind, but all the good things that he's put there, we celebrate and we love. And I believe God is going to do it. Interestingly enough here, in this whole sense of cultural diversity, Barnabas loved it. I think this is probably where he saw the evidence of the grace of God. This is what he saw. This is what he loved. He loved this ethnicity. He loved this culturally diverse background. He absolutely thought it was wonderful. And we need to think it's wonderful. We need to celebrate it. We need to see it as an evidence of the grace of God. I don't know today, there's such a lot of fear about migrants. There's such a lot of fear about asylum seekers. I want you to know we totally welcome people from different nations. I want you to know that we totally celebrate and want the UK to be a safe place for as many asylum seekers as possible. People say we're overcrowded. I think we're not. I think actually we have a lot to offer and a lot to bring. And when they bring what they bring to us, we get enriched. It was ever so interesting, and this is a political comment, but I'll make it anyway. I, saw, I, I listened last night to... Uh, I think it was one of the Andrew Neil shows, one of the This Week's on record. I'm a sad person. I record things like that. And one of the points was made, I, isn't it wonderful? George Osborne has found 27 million or billion, billion pounds in the kitty because of extra tax receipts. Someone made the point this. A lot of that has come from people who've come as migrants, people who've come from different ethnic backgrounds who are very happy to pay their taxes. And, and, and I thought, that's a very interesting point. And uh, the other thing I've watched, I watched Question Time. You, you, this is my little sad life. And uh, I like Question I like David Dimbleby. He used to be a neighbour of David Dimbleby's um, uh, when I lived in Eastbourne. But I uh, used to see him at the local paper shop, me and David. Anyway. I love Question Time, and, and on Question Time, this is about three or four weeks ago, I don't know if any of you saw this, but it was in the height of the whole migrant uh, uh, issues and uh, Alex Salmond was on there and I'm not a great fan of Alex Salmond I have to be honest with you I find his politics divisive I find his views about Scotland which we serve Scottish churches we love the church in Scotland and I find his idea of wanting to be separate doesn't help me at all because I want us to be together it, interesting enough the campaign for Scotland I think came out of New Frontiers because it was called the Better Together campaign and that's kind of like oh they, they pinched our, our word because we are better together, I believe, in the United Kingdom. If you think that's pol political, well, there you go. Anyway, Alex Salmon, who I generally don't agree with, 
he said this. He was talking about the blessings of having migrants and particularly asylum seekers come to you. And he said, do you realize in this country the wealth of blessing that we receive from migrants and asylum seekers? He said, for instance, this. And he just threw out a few names. There's only three of them I can remember. There was a whole list of them. He said, for instance, did you know that Freddie Mercury from Queen was an asylum seeker or a migrant uh, from Zanzibar. Did you know that? And do you think what, what a wealth he's brought to our music industry? I, thought, I didn't know that. Interesting. And he said, did you know that Mo Farah was a, mi a migrant from Africa? And uh, he'd come to this country, and he's, what wealth he's brought into our sporting industry. And I go, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Good point. Good, Alex, good point. And then he said, and did you know that Jesus Christ was once an asylum seeker? And look what a wealth of blessing he's brought into our country. You think, oh my goodness, you think Jesus is a real person? And you, you know, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. Truth, Jesus was a, a migrant. He was an asylum seeker out of Egypt. God says, out of Egypt, I'll bring my son. And it's incredible to think of that. The church should be one of the safe places. I was talking to my friend in Canada, in Fredericton, who leads the church there. And he said, because of what's happened, I don't know how much you follow Canadian politics, but Justin Trudeau, new prime minister, new premier of Canada, he's totally reversed their uh, thing of asylum seekers, totally reversed it. And now, actually, he's flooding in a good way the nation of Canada with asylum seekers, particularly from Syria. And actually, it's the church in Fredericton that's standing up to receive them. It's the church that's being a safe place and a blessing and an open door for them. I believe God has blessed us. If you're from a different nation here, if you're not first and foremost English, and I use English deliberately, but if you're not first and foremost English, your ethnicity comes from another place. Now, maybe you were born here, but your ethnicity is from a different place. Would you just wave at me now? Now, look around. Look around. Hasn't God already started to do it amongst us? Hasn't God already started to bring the nations in here? When I did this at Teesside a few years ago, not this particular talk, but I just asked the church that we planted in Teesside, I asked them this question, who here wasn't born in the UK? Over a third of the people stood up. And then I got them, to, I'm not going to do it today, I got them to shout out their nations. I said, you, only, you can only say that country once, we got to 27 different nations before we stopped. Isn't that wonderful? I believe God is calling you here to be a church of multicultural diversity. That God is calling you to be a church that's ethnically varied. And of course, that's not just the colour of your skin. It can be the football team that you support. It can be the group of people. It can be the music that you're into. It could be the youth culture. It could be the, the, the different clubs that you're involved with. Because it's not just about nations. But I believe God is saying that to you. Second point. That's my first point to you. I've only got three, don't worry. My first point to you is that God is calling you to be a church that's ethnically and culturally diverse. So, and by the way, I didn't say this, but by the way... When Barnabas came and he was so encouraged by it, he then went and got more cultural diversity. And he, got, he went and got uh, Paul, or Saul as he's called here, and he brought him in. I feel just to say to you, God's going to bring more into you. God's going to bring more leaders into you of different nationalities. So don't be surprised, or different giftings. Don't be surprised if that happens. Of course, we have 
All of our attention and effort as leaders is to disciple and raise leaders from within the church. That's what we want to do. Give all our time, all our effort, all our energy into raising every one of you up as leaders here to lead for Christ wherever you live. Of course we want to do that. But also, we don't have it all. We're not isolated. We're not independent. It's not like we've got air the answer to the whole world here in City Church Sheffield. Now, actually, sometimes you need a pull to come in. Sometimes other people come in to bless you. So just be open for that. Right, my second point is this, that this church in Antioch was a church that was led by the Holy Spirit. Have a look again, Acts chapter 13, and this is verses uh, uh, 1 and 2. We'll pick it up where we left off. It talked about the different people in the church, and then it says this, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, not a, not a travelling apostle, not even one of their elders. <laughs> Sometimes we get a bit structural. Sometimes we get a bit hierarchical. Sometimes we get a bit um, over-aware of the gifts that the risen Lord Jesus has given. But it doesn't say who said it. It just says, most importantly, where it came from. The Holy Spirit said. Interestingly enough, our work on Teesside are in Asylum Seeker Refugees which has been a massive work. We've had uh, visiting politicians, national uh, people come and look at it. Interestingly enough, it didn't come from an elder, didn't come from an apostle. It came from one of our ladies who just had a heart for different nations. God can use you to shape the church because it's not you shaping it, it's the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, to the work that I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And I, it's a really simple point, but it's a relevant point here. God wants you to be more and more shaped by his presence, by his voice, by him speaking to you. It's not, what's the New Frontiers pattern? What's the New Frontiers plan? What's the church growth expert saying? What's the latest technique? What's the new thing that we can employ? Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying these people have nothing to say to us because actually the Holy Spirit can speak through them, but it's the Holy Spirit we're looking for. It's being Spirit-led that is going to happen. And I would say to you, we're going to know more and hear more on our Friday night prayer meetings in that sense of waiting on God. That's where the new vision of this church is going to emerge. That's where new things are going to be birthed. That's where God's going to speak to us more and more. I just want to commend you as the local church. Don't quote me at all. Don't tweet me. It's one of the best church premises I've ever been to is here in Sheffield. Really, that's the truth. So don't quote that because other people go, don't you like ours? Well, I really like yours. <laughs> and, you know, I've been to some great church prayer meetings in my life. I would say, literally, one of, one of the best prayer meetings I've ever been to has been one of your prayer meetings. And I want to commend you. God is with you on a Friday night. He's with you on a Monday morning as well, but he's with you on a Friday night. And I want to encourage you, get to the prayer meeting. It's not a, it's not a forum for the elders to speak to you. It's a forum for the Holy Spirit to speak. Now, actually, God might use elders. He often does. But actually, God uses all people. All his people can hear him. And all of us can receive from God. And I just want to encourage you, keep being a people shaped by the Holy Spirit. You'll notice in Acts, there's so many references to the Holy Spirit. I mean, don't you feel sorry for the church in Acts? Don't you feel really sorry for them? They didn't have the internet. 
and they couldn't do downloads. They probably didn't have books or many books. They might have a few letters flying around, but they were only from apostles, you know. Um, but poor old church, they only had the Holy Spirit. They seemed to turn the world upside down with the Spirit speaking to them. I think if you took the Holy Spirit out of the book of Acts, there would be no story. There's 59 references to the Spirit speaking in Acts. 59 in a book. If you took the Spirit out of Acts, there'd be no story. If you took the Holy Spirit's voice out of some churches, there'd be no difference. Now, I don't say that about you, but I do say that about some churches, some settings. I want to encourage you, keep being a spirit-filled people. Keep being a people that welcome his presence, that listen to his voice, that are able to discern what he's saying. It's such a privilege to have prophetic voices here. It's such a privilege to have a prophetic people here. It's such a privilege for you guys to be a people constantly full of the spirit. Now, I don't need to teach you this, but some people say, if you get more of the spirit, won't you get a bit weird? I've seen spirit-filled people And they're slightly odd. They're slightly weird. Listen, I don't believe that's true. I think this is true because it's biblical. If you get more of the Holy Spirit, you'll get more like Jesus. Because that's what Jesus said the Spirit would do. Jesus said this, the Spirit of truth will testify only about me. Jesus said the Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Spirit will only bring more revelation about Jesus. The Spirit will only bring more of Jesus to you. He won't make you weird unless you think Jesus is weird. He won't make you strange unless you think Jesus is strange. He will make you more Christ-central. We picked that name deliberately for our movement, for our part of New Frontiers, because we wanted to keep emphasising it's all about Jesus. It's all about getting Jesus central in the mission, Jesus central in our lives, Jesus central in the church. How are we going to do that? By being more spirit-filled, by being more... How do we get more like Jesus? We receive the spirit of Christ, and therefore we get to act more like Jesus. Third and final point. This was a church that went on global mission. See, while they were fasting and praying, the Spirit says, send off, send apart Barnabas and Saul. They placed their hands on them and they sent them off. They sent them off to mission. See, Jesus had said that. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes on you, when you are a people who receive the Spirit, when you are a people who get Spirit-filled, Jesus had said, you will then be witnesses for me, not just in your home city. Now, you will be a witness in your home city. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I love my home city. You should love your home city. You should be called by God to reach your home city. Every street, every neighborhood, every people group. But it doesn't stop there. The story isn't just about us reaching Sheffield. The story isn't just about us reaching Yorkshire. I I hasten to say this in Yorkshire, but it actually includes Lancashire. I know, I know. It includes the rest of the UK. It includes the world. Jesus said this, when the Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, home city. Judea, county, Yorkshire. Samaria, the county next door that we don't really like. 
ends of the earth. That's the trajectory of this church. It's not just flags up here to make us feel we're multinational or something. But actually, I believe God is going to send from your midst more and more people to reach the nations. It's interesting what happened in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came on them. There was a great reversal of Babel. There was a massive reversal of Babel. They all started to speak in other languages, just like Babel. But instead, unlike Babel, when they couldn't understand it, they could suddenly all understand their own languages. They could all, and God did something about uniting nations together. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He unites nations together. Let me stop and give you a little story. One of the guys who got saved on our Alpha course in Teesside, a guy called Paul, uh, who now is working for us in the church, one Sunday morning, he got up and spoke in a very strange language. And it really was a strange language. And what was really interesting is we had two people groups particularly represented in our church. They were all from the country that we now call Eritrea in Africa. And in this people group from Eritrea, there were two language groups, two totally different language groups, one called Tigrinian and one called Amharic. And an Amharic person can't really understand a Tigrinian very well, and a Tigrinian can't always understand an Amharic person well. However, there is a root language, it's an ancient language, it's a language that isn't spoken in Norman, normal parlance today, but it's an old religious language that's the root language of both Amharic and Tigrinian. It's ancient Gies. It would be a little like ancient Latin for us. So French, English, all come from a root of Latin. Amharic, Tigrinian, all come from this root of ancient Gies. My friend Paul got up and spoke in fluent ancient Gies. And suddenly these two people groups who'd felt a little separated, they were kind of like asylum seeker refugees, they'd felt a little on the edge, suddenly heard a language that they could understand and they were suddenly pulled in and it was a massive lament to God, saying how sad things were at the moment for them. And it was not able, there wasn't an interpretation, we actually got a translation of it. We could understand what Paul was saying, amazing. The, I love the gift of languages. And we're going to see him more and more stories of supernatural languages like that. That actually God is going to bring us together. God's uniting nations together. God's doing some wonderful things. But he's also calling us to be a people who go to nations. Now, as I bring this sermon to an end, please don't interpret it as there will be some missionaries that go from here to Africa. Now, there will be. But that's not the end of it. Actually, every one of us gets caught up on mission. Every single one of us in this room, children included, children, kids, you are like a missionary to your school. You're like a missionary to your road. You're like a missionary to your friends. God's going to use you and God's going to call you as a church, to be sent out into all sorts of different localities. Now, God spoke to us as New Frontiers. God spoke to us as a group of churches about 15 years ago through Terry Virgo, who founded the movement. And he said, it's like a bow superimposed. Do you remember this prophetic word? It's like a bow superimposed, like a bow and arrow superimposed across the UK. And as we draw the bow further north, get that, north, 
As we draw the bow further north, arrows are going to be fired all over the world. Now, people like me, and I, I probably think Arnold and Mary, although I'm not entirely sure, people like me moved up on words like that. We were propelled north on words like that. But God has a heart for the north. God loves the north. And God wanted to pull his blessing right up into the north. Why? So that the north gets nice and blessed? Well, yes. I want the north. I love the north. We love northern churches. We love all that we're doing in terms of church planting and reaching cities, reaching localities, villages, towns, and cities. However, the prophetic word wasn't that we'd stay like that. The prophetic word was we'd be sent out. Arrows would be fired to the nations. And I believe from here, I think it was the last preach I did here, I spoke to you about arrows being sent out to the nations. And I want to end kind of where I ended that and saying God is calling individuals here to be sent out to nations, to be sent out into new people groups, to be sent out. God's going to do that from you. It's going to mark this church for the next decade that you're going to be sending out more and more people groups. Now, as I bring this to a close, we use the term apostolic mission. Have you ever heard that? It's a stupid term. I'll tell you why it's stupid. It is stupid because it doesn't make sense. It's a truism. It's like saying that's a really round circle. Because the word apostolic means sent with authority. When they translated, and it's a Greek word, when they translated the Greek word apostolos into Latin, the nearest word they could find for sent with authority was missio, where we get the word mission from. So to say apostolic mission is the same thing. Every one of us in this church is caught up on apostolic mission. Every one of us in this church is caught up, is sent with authority into the world. Jesus didn't send a few leaders into the world. Jesus sent all his disciples, all his followers into the world. The Spirit of God just didn't fall on a few leaders at Pentecost. The Spirit of God fell on all the people at Pentecost and said, all of you are going to be sent out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. What that means is every single one of you here, whether you physically go or whether you stay in the same house, you are a missionary to the people group that God's put you in. You are carrying something of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, to be an ambassador for him. Whether you're in a football match, whether you're in an art studio, whether you're in a classroom, whether you're in a community hall, whether you're in a uh, meeting people at the school gate, whether you're in a boardroom, wherever you go, whether you're in a supermarket, wherever you go this week, you're a carrier of the kingdom. You're a carrier of the message. You're an inheritor of Adam and Eve's promise to fill all the earth. You're an inheritor of Abraham's promise to be a blessing to every nation. Dear friends, that's what God is saying to you as a church, I believe. He's saying to you these things as I finish. He's reaffirming that you are indeed an Antioch base. Now, don't get all hooked up. We haven't got an apostle here. Because people get hooked up on that. They think, oh, an Antioch base can only be where there's an apostle. Actually, there were no apostles when, they were, when Antioch was first a base church. Apostles were sent out later. So don't get hooked up on that. Don't think, oh, we need an apostle here. No, actually, you're an apostolic people. You're a people on mission. So God is reaffirming 
that you're an apostolic base, an Antioch base. He's opening your hearts to nations and to cultural diversity, to love nations. I think one of the things I want to say, particularly in our day, God is calling you to get involved with the poor and the marginalized. God is calling you to get involved with those who, are dif- who have difficult backgrounds, those who wouldn't normally connect in. God is calling you to be connectors into that. He's calling you to be a reproducing strong, or calling you to be reproducing strong local bases all around the city. I was praying for you this morning. I get out early and walk, and unless it's absolutely horrendously tipping it down with rain, uh, and even this morning it wasn't doing that in Manchester, I was out walking for you, and I'd just seen this vision, and it was like lots of cities on hills, and each of these cities was glowing gold. And as I, it was like an open vision. I saw this. It was like golden rain. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Golden rain had come down and touched these cities. And I felt God saying to you here in Sheffield, God is multiplying the cities on hills and that you ought to be more and more cities full of the glory of God, cities full of this golden rain, cities full of his presence that radiate out. The thing about these cities was they were not just things to be looked at, they were lights shining in the darkness. They were radiating out his presence. And God is calling you as a community to be so full of the Spirit that when you go out to your community, you're carrying the light of the world. You see, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and said, now you're the light of the world. And you're carrying this light of the presence and the grace of God wherever you are. Now, I just want to pray for you as we we end. Now, in one sense, we could go for an appeal, and I could say, who's up for this? And hopefully, everyone would respond, because hopefully we're all up for this. So I'm just going to assume that everyone's going to respond to this. And if you're happy to, would you stand in response and say, I want to be part of this kind of Antioch church. I want to be part of a church that's going out into the nations, a church that's going to every part of Sheffield first, but then from Sheffield to the nations. I want to be part of this multicultural, diverse church. I want to be part of a church that's full of the Holy Spirit, that's full of the glory of God. I want to be part of a church that actually, in the week, I'm sent out to be a missionary. I'm sent out to be an ambassador, making a difference for Jesus wherever I go. Let's just pray. Let's 